morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Mario, also known as the Node Defender, is joining us. And it's Tuesday, guys. So, of course, we got our friend Jenna X in the building. So I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how BlackRock has filed to launch Bitcoin's first ETF in America, causing a ripple effect among the institutions. Now rivals MasterCard and Fidelity plan to dominate this arena. The IMF released a new CBDC report highlighting a former collaboration with Ripple. As JP Morgan has come out in support of Ethereum, stating to protect investors, it may need its own category. And with the digital transformation of a lifetime already upon us, we break down the details, showing our community how American institutions are creating the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So, Johnny, I want to preface this episode by saying I'm going to be very cognizant of the mic issues. If I keep my volume down, I should get a clear mic throughout the episode. So I'm excited about that. But how are you feeling, my friend? Thank you for being here. Abs, I'm excited. Whenever you're six feet above ground, it's always a great day. Good morning to all the warrior maniacs. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. It's a special, super exciting day. We got Jenna in the house, Mario in the house. Glad to see everybody. And uh, yeah, we got a lot of good news today for you guys. Very interesting news. So uh, Abs, I'm excited to hop into it. A lot of big news, Mario. We're going to be talking Ripple. We're going to be talking Ethereum. But most importantly, we're going to be talking a collaboration with the IMF that Ripple had. They even presented the XRPL back in 2018. But before we talk about that, how are you feeling this morning? Thanks for being here, Mario. I'm feeling awesome, man. It's it's unorthodox for me to be here on a Tuesday. So I'm super excited to see Jenna. It's been a long time since I've been on the show with her. But, you know, sending everybody in the chat love. Uh, super blessed to be here. Sending you, Jenna, and Johnny Crypto some love, too. Absolutely, Jenna. Always happy to have you here on these Tuesdays. And what's so exciting is the big news seems to release on these days. Last week, we had Hinman emails. This week, we got IMF news. So it's great. How are you feeling this morning? Thanks for being here. Oh, good morning, Abs, and good morning, Warriors. I am feeling amazing. So excited to be here. Ah, I threw you off today. I got the one ponytail going on. <laughs> but oh my gosh, you know what? Tuesdays are the best day because we get to have so much fun. I always look forward to this. And you know uh Definitely had a little fun in the green room before we started, guys. You don't even want to know what 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 Abs was talking about. It was wrong. It was straight up wrong. Not a fun <laughs> us. Nah, well, we're just talking about if Jed McCaleb needs a stool sample to figure out if he's untouchable. But guys, we got 178 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button, and we're going to bring a really exciting episode for today. But we're going to start this thing off the same way we always do by showing you my Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. We're at 4,500 followers. Smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin fear and greed index is in neutral this morning, sitting at a 49, Johnny Crypto. When we look at the daily movers, pretty much right across the board, we got HBAR up about 3%, Dash token up 4% on the day. When we look at the total coin market cap this morning, we are sitting at 1.07 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 48% dominance and Ethereum is about 19%. Some big news from yesterday, Johnny, is that Bitcoin passed 50% dominance in the market. I think it was the first time in almost two years. So pretty exciting there. We'll talk about it later on. Bitcoin sitting at 26,700, Ethereum 1,700, XRP is 47 cents, and Cardano token Charles taking a hit sitting at 25 cents this morning. So Jenna, before we get into our articles for today, 
you know what? Let's actually start off with this Brad Garlinghouse clip because I think this is something people need to see. With the breaking news this morning of the IMF releasing a concept about global CBDC infrastructure, we're going to break down how Ripple may be real close to this issue. So here's a pr- clip of Brad Garlinghouse. I think it's from 2018 describing how the IMF is getting ready to own crypto. You see IMF holding crypto assets in the future. Oh, they're over here. That's easier. You want to take one? Go for it. The first one's for you. <laughs> IMF. Do you see IMF holding crypto assets in the future? I did not put that up there. Remember, I'm from the legal department. I was supposed to be very conservative about these things. Guys, the silence was heavy there. And let me answer for him. Yes, yes would be the answer, Johnny Crypto. And that's the breaking news we have for today. So I'm going to read through some brief headlines and kick it to you and Jenna here, as well as Mario. The IMF is working hard on global DC CBDC platform, says the IMF's global director. The International Monetary Fund is working hard on a concept for global infrastructure that would ensure interoperability of CBDCs for cross-border settlement. Such a platform would avoid the underutilization of so-called CBDCs, and they're working on principles of interoperability. So, Johnny, interoperability is another word for cross-border payments. If we're going to have a bunch of CBDCs, they better be able to communicate with each other. So let me get some thoughts before we kick it around. The IMF coming out in support of CBDCs. Are you surprised at all? Oh, am I surprised? Come on, man. Of course not. We know that's the plan. I mean, you saw it himself. (laughs) When his man, he couldn't even answer the question. He's like, oh, shit, how do I answer this thing? And all we heard was about 30 seconds of crickets. So, I, you know, certainly I think we know this stupid background was all messed up. I know that I know that certainly there's going to be some level of, you know, ownership control of that, you know, by the IMF. I'm not sure exactly what that's going to look like. But you said something that's important, Abs. Let's go back to the thing that matters to us that we can control, not control, but we can invest in. <clears throat> Interoperability. Something has to bring all these things together, these blockchains, these systems. They need to communicate because if X can't talk to Y and Z can't talk to A, well, what's the freaking point of all these systems, right? And to me, that's the part that gets me excited because we know that there's a couple, there's only a few out there that are working on interoperability. Primarily, the big guys are Quant, and we know also Chainlink. So for me, I'm excited about those technologies and those blockchains and investing in those as much as we can because again i want to have some of those horses in my stable baby yeah it, it always seems like distributed ledger technology is um the common one that all of the cbdc's what there's like a hundred some of them that they're all you know checking out testing whatever and some have actually launched but it seems like uh dlt is what they have in common but just to pull that up with brad did you see like that face like that was a dead giveaway and we know just to kick it back that ripple has been for years they've been speaking at these imf conferences and this dates back for a while i've been seeing a lot of articles and they're surfacing today you know of course we have amazing sleuths in the xrp community and they've been you know tying all of these different links together so it's pretty cool to watch everything on old mario and you know what's really exciting is that the imf has actually acknowledged that they've worked with ripple in the past so i'm going to read a brief document here and kick it right back to you i don't know what that said johnny the central idea is still built around the international non-national currency we are seeing the globalization of our economy come to fruition through companies like the world economic forum the imf and of course anybody located in geneva switzerland johnny the imf is acting with the world banks as a central bank for central banks and could use xrp as a settlement mean between banks all over the world while replacing the long bilateral relationship. So what they're trying to say here is XRP allows central banks to do two things, Johnny Crypto. 
One is remove the Nostro Bostro accounts. And two is to create a global economy. So what I, the question that I have for you is, as we see the Ripple connections here, we've often talked about private ledgers. I think we're going to see a ton of CBDCs developed on private ledgers. And then uh, XRP is the interoperability between those CBDCs, allowing for a global economy and a global collaboration. How do you feel about that concept? And are articles like this, is this evidence that they're actually working with Ripple? Uh, mute button, bro. I think I would say it a little bit differently. Abs. I wouldn't say XRP is going to be the interoperability because in my technical definition of that, I view that more as the communication path between allowing all the blockchains to communicate with each other. Um, I would say it's probably, <laughs> I would say it's probably more like the, um, uh, the, what's the word, uh, the liquidity. Um, oh, I forgot the word transfer. That is where I can see XRP playing that, you know, there's going to be multiple oh, the layers. bridge asset, maybe the bridge asset in between. Yeah, exactly. So think of it this way, you know, you're building a house, right? You have to have layers and foundations. And so there's going to be multiple technologies working on top of each other to bring the whole system together. TCP IP doesn't work by itself. It's useless by itself. You have to have other systems in place, right? So you can see that, you know, XRP may be the liquidity uh, source for it. Quant would be, let's say, the layer that provides, for example, um, the, the communication between all the different systems that are working around the world. And then, and then you're going to have other things that, like the Oracle of the system that's going to provide all the data access. And so you're going to have different pieces of it. And I could see XRP being one of those, but I, I'm curious of what Mario thinks. Oh, I think Jenna, do you want to go first? Yeah. But before that, I just want to let everyone know in the audience that every time Johnny's phone rings an angel gets its wings. Yes. Thank you, Jenna. <laughs> You're well, welcome. Right. I was looking um, just to touch on that, that there was a March 2023 report by the IMF and it was titled Trust Bridges and Money Flows, a Digital Marketplace to Improve Cross-Border Payments. And they actually mentioned Ripple as a possible solution in that. So it kind of goes hand in hand with what Johnny was saying. Absolutely. And Mario, I'd love to get some closing remarks. Ripple partner Finastra is currently working with 63% of central banks on developing distributed ledger technology. Safe to assume a company is working third party through Ripple here. What does it mean to you, my friend? Yeah, I think there's there's a reason why the SEC, the SEC chose to go uh, after Ripple, right? And typically when you see companies or or projects or anything of the sort be attacked by by the SEC or a big government agency, they tend to be the chosen ones. They tend to be the disruptors. And so there's no doubt that Ripple is being a disruptor in the space. There's no doubt that they're positioning themselves uh, to take over a sector of the financial economy. And so we're just witnessing that. Um, it, it's pretty exciting to, to see that we could potentially see that coming to an end. Um, and at the same time, you know, going back to some of these old news and, and seeing videos like we just saw of Brad Garlinghouse kind of giving us hints. Uh, it, it's super exciting that we could be coming to that point where we start to see some of this stuff actually uh, be made public. Absolutely, Mario. And we got 328 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going to come back to this conversation. But I think it's important to discuss this video of John Deaton yesterday breaking down when this Ripple lawsuit will end. Johnny, September 30th has been the date that we've been regurgitating since XRP Las Vegas. John, John Deaton doing the same thing. Here's the first clip. Things. One, he said he thought the SEC should win. The SEC may lose. Um, I found that interesting. And he also said he, he expects the decision any day now. Now, I expected the decision before today, 
Mm. You know, I said that I wouldn't be shocked if it took, you know, through the summer, but I would be surprised if we were in June and it was still pending and we're in June and it's still pending. Uh, so I'm also in the camp that we could get a decision today. We could get a decision next week. Uh, I've told XRP holders, I'm really, really confident that the worst case scenario is September. Mm. Uh, and I, and I, I say worst case because some people think it's going to be, you know, next year, right? Yeah. There's some people, well, if September 30th comes and she hasn't decided, she has to report herself to Congress mm. and say, I have been waiting to rule on this massively important decision for nine months and I'm still haven't done it. You know, no, it's like a, it's like a, think about that list as like a public shaming list, right? Mm. You know, and, you know, a judge doesn't want to go on that list because it looks like they're not, he or she's not doing their job and they're not, you know, being diligent. So I'm very confident that Judge Torres would never allow herself to go on that list. Well, here's what's interesting, Johnny. Judge Torres would have to go and present herself to Congress and say, I'm not competent to make a decision on this after nearly two years of going over evidence. So I'm going to turn this over to a jury trial. I think it's extremely unlikely. What's much more likely is a splitting of the baby. They're going to say from 2014 to 2018, maybe XRP was considered a security because it wasn't decentralized enough. But going forward, XRP is decentralized enough to be considered something other than a security. And we can debate what that's going to be later in the episode. But what do you think about John Deaton doubling down on this September 30th date, considering every date we've seen in the past has come and gone? Well, first of all, kudos to John. He came out and said, hey, I got it wrong. And then we all know that the whole reason why everybody's even talking about the September 30th date is because of John, where he told us that this is what has to happen. Now, the question I have I'm not so sure I agree with everybody. Oh, she'll definitely do it before that. I'm not so sure. This is a very, very big decision. I have no idea what pressures are being put on her behind the scenes. And so maybe for that reason, she's like, you know what? I'm going to kick this thing to Congress. This is Congress's problem. Congress hasn't created clarity. And maybe she does go to Congress and says, hey, you know why I haven't ruled on this? Because really, you guys need to create laws to define what this stuff is. That's your role. Not mine. Maybe she does that. I don't know. I don't know enough about the court system to know if it can be used for that purpose or is it going to be a scar in her record if she goes there to use it for that purpose? If it's a scar in her record, then she's not going to do that. But if it isn't and she can use that as a platform to push Congress to do something, then I could see her doing it. I just don't know enough about how the outcome of going there is on a, on a judge's record going forward. So those are the two outcomes I see, though, Abs. And depending on what the outcome is, I could see the one of those happen. Well, Mario, this is another big connection here is FedNow is going to be launching next month. And we went over this article yesterday, but I think it's worth touching again. BlackRock has applied for an ETF 576 times in the past. 575 of those were approved. So that's a massive update coming out of BlackRock. And what did we see the very next day? Fidelity and MasterCard both came out with articles that were very bullish around crypto. So when we talk about the IMF coming out in support of CBDCs, apply the same concept to central banks. They're waiting for the green light from the IMF, and we're finally getting that here. So what stuck out to you, Mario? 
yeah, I agree with what you said 100%. I also agree with what Johnny was saying about the, the Ripple versus SEC case or SEC versus Ripple. I think that what I do want to add and emphasize is that a lot has changed in the last two weeks. The SEC has gone after Binance. They've gone after Coinbase. And so the resolution or whatever comes out of the Ripple lawsuit, I believe it has huge impact in this in this, uh, in this this fight now with Binance and Coinbase. So I think the judge is going to be under much more pressure at this point. And so for that reason, I agree with Johnny. I think we could see this thing being pushed and and her not want to make a decision because now the SEC is going after another two big players in the market and the decision could massively impact those two lawsuits. So um, I do hope that John Deaton is right. I do hope that worst case scenario is is the worst case scenario, you know, September 30. But I have a gut feeling and that it could be longer, unfortunately. I hope I'm wrong. And Jenna, if you want a good laugh this morning, check out the latest update out of JP Morgan. But guys, we got 380 live listeners on YouTube. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And thank you for being here. Hinman documents released in the SEC versus Ripple case boost Ethereum's case for decentralization, says JP Morgan. And we covered this a little bit yesterday, but US lawmakers could put a new Ether code in stating Ethereum is in an other category to avoid classifying as a security. But most importantly, Jenna, to protect crypto investors. I do want to get your thoughts on this, but John Deaton brought it up during this interview. This is the only other clip I'd love to play from this Tony Edward interview. Here we go. Bill Hinman could have given that speech without ever naming a token. He could have said that there's a new construct that we're looking at called sufficient decentralization. And when we look about these tokens, here are factors that we're going to consider. And he could talk about the token ownership, or he could talk about how many validators or nodes, or, or you know, it, is there a percentage of token ownership that is a red flag? He could have said, here are some markers for you entrepreneurs to think about. He didn't have to say setting aside the fundraising that accompanied Ethereum, we at the SEC view current sales as non-securities. He didn't have to do that. So what I had said was I made one prediction about these emails and I did it intentionally to those people that called you know me a conspiracy theorist and you a conspiracy theorist and everyone else. I said, I don't know what those emails are, how they're going to impact the lawsuit or the underlying case that Ripple has, but I bet they make people go, damn, why did you give the speech? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much an understatement there, Johnny. There's one stat I want to read out before I kick it to you, Jenna and Mario here. We, we talked about how Joseph Lubin paid $18 million to purchase 95% of the initial Ethereum launch. I did a little bit of research yesterday and I found out the initial price that he paid for his Ethereum. Can you believe Johnny? I, I know you don't know, but just give me a wild guess. What do you think it might be that he paid for his Ethereum? I'm going to say uh, $0.43. You're, you're not that far off. $0.19, cents, guys. Wow. Joseph Rubin paid $18 million for $0.19 cents a piece to purchase hey. 95% of the first Ethereum offering. If oh. that doesn't show you incentive incentivization i really don't know what does johnny floor is yours then mario and jenna you know my first thought in my head you're not gonna believe was actually 18 cents i'm like oh maybe that's too low i should always stick with your first thought folks but nonetheless the point is abs 
you know, unfortunately, John D. And actually, he says, you know, he didn't have to say that. Uh, you know, but actually, he did have to say that, and I'll tell you why. Because he had 15 million beautiful green reasons in his mind to come out and have to create a speech to say Ethereum was a a, a non-security, right? He had to do that if he wanted that 15 million dollar paycheck, and so we all know why he did it. There's no. There's no um, no question there. To me, that it right there, per- perfect. But I'm glad you I'm glad you posted that. I still don't know to this freaking day what the hell sufficiently decentralized means. I mean, come on, guys, give me a goddamn definition. Because if we don't get a definition around that, we're gonna continue to have lawsuits from from now to the end, we, till the day we die, if we don't get definition. Because it's just gonna be, oh, are you sufficiently decentralized? I don't know. Well, if I sit at the top of the SEC, I get to decide. You are, you aren't. Well, how was that? Well, because I said so, because I think you're sufficient. No, we need a clear definition. Is it 10%, 20% held, 30%? Give us a definition of what that means, Ab, because I don't know to this day what that freaking means. Jen, I got to get some thoughts from you here. And this is the document that I found. Not only is it exposing that Joseph Lubin paid $18 million for 95% of the float, did a little bit of research for the price at the time that this happened, and it showed me 19 cents. So nobody actually came out and told me that number. That was the number that I found from some investigative research. So if anybody in the live chat can, can I guess, correct me on that or confirm if I'm correct, that'll be very, very helpful. We got 424 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Jenna, give me your thoughts on that, Lady Star. That is just such bullshit. How is one person even allowed to do that? There are like pre-sales now. Everybody is just so cautious and where they will only allow somebody to put in like one ETH max, et cetera. So there are no whales. It's completely unfair. But just like Johnny was saying, there are 15 million reasons why this is extremely corrupt. Bill Hayman didn't have to say a lot of things, but he absolutely did. And this was to give ETH a free pass for all of these, you know, certain players that have their hands in it and it's complete bs it's so corrupt if you can't see you're definitely living under a rock my my question is you know we were just talking about the imf and you know a global cbdc platform that they're trying to do and we need the interoperability but the thing is you also have to have a set of laws and rules in place if we can't even figure out what the hell is a security what isn't you know, and we can't figure this out. How are we going to have anything to do with that? Like, I see that being very, very far off. None of this makes any freaking sense to me. Mario, any closing remarks here before I show this video of William Hinman? This is the video that Stuart Alderati tweeted out. But I think there's a couple quotes within the speech I want to go over before we move on. What's on your mind? Yeah, I 100%. This is all very telling. There's a reason why they chose, uh, you know, to go after Ripple. There's a reason why they chose to promote Ethereum. It's obviously... It comes down to obviously them wanting to influence their own investments and them wanting to profit off of it. It's it's hap- it happens time and time again in history, and uh, we saw that happen with that. We're going to see it happen again with something else. It it just repeats, right? And here we are. We're going to see it time and time again. We've been talking about the corruption that took place back in 2018, Mario, and that was with William Hemmen and Jay Clayton, former SEC commissioners. I believe there's plenty of corruption going on today that we're going to be talking about in 2028, 2027. And a lot of that could have to do with the Prometheum situation, as well as Gary Gensler and the CCP's connections. But before we get into those articles, let's play the short clip of William Hinman giving his Ethereum free pass. Token or coin is to function is sufficiently decentralized and the purchasers no longer have a reasonable expectation that a person or a group is going to carry out essential managerial or entrepreneurial efforts 
those assets might not represent an investment contract. The same official told Hinman he should tie his speech, quote, more closely and explicitly to the Howey analysis. Hinman not only ignored him, but deliberately created factors beyond those identified by the Supreme Court in the Howey case. I wanted to just note a few things. This list is not meant to be exhaustive, but these are things that we look at. The SEC's own general counsel warned specifically that it's legally irrelevant if someone retains a stake in a token and is motivated to take action to increase its value, and that Hinman should delete it from the speech. And once again, Hinman ignored them and said without any legal support that it was important to ask. Has that person or group retained a stake in, or other interests in the digital asset such that it would be motivated to expand efforts to cause an increase in the value of the digital asset? Both trading and markets and the general counsel also disagreed with Hinman's belief that if a network was sufficiently decentralized, information asymmetries would no longer exist, noting that a network creator would likely have more information than a retail holder, using Vitalik Buterin as an example. They warned Hinman that by creating this, quote, other category and focusing on information asymmetries. Let me pause it there because I think this is very important. Do you see how they're referencing Hinman creating an other category? What did we just talk about earlier in the episode? JP Morgan just came out and said Ethereum could be put in an other category by U.S. Congress due to these Hinman emails. They're saying that we should use his corruption as guidance, Johnny. Floor is yours, then Jenna, then Mario. Is anybody surprised here? What did I say yesterday, right? For all parents, if you have kid children, like I said yesterday, this is the favorite child. You know, I know you all don't want to admit you don't have a favorite child, but you do. And ETH is the favorite child. It's the chosen one, guys. And there's going to get, it's going to get free passes. It's going to get blessed. It's going to get talked about how it's so great. And it's going to get its own other category and all this stuff. Because behind the scenes, there's a lot of money somewhere, someplace has put a big bet on this thing. And they're going to, they're going to see it through. And so, you know, now I think in the long run, what's going to happen, Abs, is at some point in time, you know, ETH is going to get obsoleted and there'll be layer twos and layer threes and other ones that come out and it'll it'll be sufficient and it'll be better. And so at some point, I think it'll go away, but not for the time being. Right now, it is the golden child and it is going to get all the exceptions and special treatment that the favorite child gets. And until until we, you know, until it's fully milked. And I think that's that's what you're seeing here. I think we're actually witnessing it right in the making of it happening. And I think that's why people are frustrated abs because people don't understand that. Like, why does it get a free pass? Well, that's why it gets a free pass. So hopefully everybody understands that. And here's some more evidence of that. Johnny crypto is Nate Hinman, Bill Hinman's son worked at somebody who was not only part of the Ethereum Alliance, he's currently employed by a company that's focused on cybersecurity based out of China and is working as a direct competitor to ripple. He's also been photographed in a picture with Vitalik Buterin back in 2014 so when Bill Hinman was giving Ethereum an incentive to be to be successful, this is what's most alarming. We Boom. often talk about the 15 million he was given by people in the Ethereum Alliance. How many tokens do you think his son purchased, his mm -hmm. cousins purchased, his wife there purchased? You go. That's where I think the real money is. And Mario, I'd love to start with you. Bill Hinman's son is confirmed to be working at an agency involved in the Ethereum ICO. People are calling this ETHgate 2.0. How do you feel? Yeah, the, well, that's exactly what I was just saying before. It, these things are done in order for them to benefit themselves or benefit their their close ones. In this case, you know, his son. Uh, guys, it, it it's no surprise, unfortunately. And, and as much as it sucks as a retail investor to see this stuff happening right before our eyes, it, that's just the nature of how they do business. That's the nature of how the elites, the people that that have influence and power, that's just how they move markets. They, they move it in their favor. They're not moving these markets to help 
Mario, the no defender or Jenna X, you know, they're moving the markets to benefit themselves or the people that are close to them. That's just, that's just something we need to come to. Um, we need to come to realization that it happens. How can we do things in order to uh, benefit from that too? And so keeping an eye on all these hints, all these different things, you know, the SEC coming after uh, um, the crypto space in, in the way that they're doing, that's a hint. You know, the crypto space is not going to go anywhere. It's being adopted and frameworks are being created all over the world, except the United States. Why is that happening? We have to question it. We have to um, figure out what it is that they're trying to do and then position ourselves in a way where we can ben- try to benefit from it. John, I'll go back right to you before we kick it to Jenna. One of the things that we realized when BlackRock announced they were going to be applying for a Bitcoin ETF is they're using Coinbase as their custody service. Coinbase is obviously being sued right now for selling unregistered securities, but this is so interesting. BlackRock clearly has influence over the SEC. We see guys like Brad Sherman out of California. He's paid $600,000 a year by BlackRock, and they tell him, be anti-crypto, talk about drugs, talk about money laundering. Well, we're seeing the opposite end of that right now, Johnny. So I do want to get your thoughts. What, are you, what do you take from, these, from this whole situation here? Well, well, I always look at it like this, right? I, I understand the world as a stage, and this is what's going on. You're going to have players on both sides that have to play the game. Uh, obviously, with the Hinman thing, complete, complete conflict of interest. You've got $15 million being paid in. you got the son working for Ethereum. I mean, I mean an Ethereum company. It just it's, it stinks so bad, Abs. The conflict of interest is off the freaking charts. I mean, the rest, I can't even pull up the rat snake weasel because if I did, it would spin so many times it's broken. It would break the meter. That's how much, that's how bad the rat snake weasel meter, weasel, rat snake meter, <laughs> weasel meter is on this one. But so the, the, the thing is, though, you nailed something right. This is all, I always say this all the time, follow the money. Follow the money. And why do you think I've been saying that you need to see companies like Ripple and Coinbase and Kraken in, in, in Cardano and in, in Binance, come together, put the money together, pool it and lobby. And you have to go, you have to lobby the congressman. You have to create a lobby form. You get the lobbyists, you pay them. That's just how it works. Guys, I hate to say it, but at the end of the day, if anybody's naive to it, it's pay to play, boys. That's how the world works. Money, my father said all the time, money talks and bullshit walks. That's just how it works. All right. So when there's money put behind certain things, and of course, sometimes it does need to align with the congressman's platform, but I'm sure there's plenty of congressmen out there that are, are that are pro-crypto. Well, these lobbyists have to go find those people and start pushing and balancing the scales, Abs. And to me, that's how you get a fair game here. And you, you said it, right? I mean, how much is it? $600 million? I mean, this is crazy. So the reality is, this is the problem is, if you really want to just tie it to the very top, you just look at it and you say, hey, where's the money coming from and who's it going to? And what is the narrative that that money is pushing? And there's your answer. It's that simple. It's not that hard to figure out. If you just look at what you're hearing, the congressmen come out of their mouths, you know what the narratives are. You know what's being pushed. The only question we don't know, and I've been saying it, is when are we going to, who's going to win? Who's going to get the pin? Who's going to go on top for the one, two, three? Is it going to be, is it going to be pro-crypto winner or anti-crypto winner? That's what we're waiting to see. I'm putting my money on pro crypto just based on the way I'm seeing all these companies moving, where JP Morgan's moving, where BlackRock's moving, where everybody's headed. It certainly feels like right now the good guy's getting beat up, which I call the good guy, the, the, the pro crypto guy. But in the long run, I think he's going to go, he's going to get the count one, two, three. 
Jen, I'm going to kick it straight to you for some thoughts. There's a lot that we could get into with what Johnny said, but what catches my attention is that Ethereum is trying to, or sorry, JP Morgan is trying to use Bill Hinman's pass as a category, as an excuse to give Ethereum its own separate category. Sorry, I butchered that a little bit. But one of the things I did realize with him, William Hinman's speech is that they can't tell us what decentralized is, Johnny, because then what if their competitors meet those qualifications? So when people are asking them- why does oh. this de- why does this decentralization argument even matter to the Ripple case or the Ethereum case? That's why. Because if they can apply it to their competitors, they've got a situation. But Jenna, what's on your mind? Yeah, I mean, I'm just like mind blown right now. So much coming to light with this. Yeah, how are they going to, JP Morgan, yeah, hey, guys, we're going to go off of this speech that literally was complete bullshit. We all know that after reading all of these emails. I'm looking into this plug and play right now. It's hilarious. They're like, we make innovation open to anyone, anywhere, yeah, except the United States, mofos, unless you're, of course, part of this. And they're working on building smart cities, all kinds of shit, guys. And, of course, it is ISO 27001 compliant. I'm not familiar with 27001, so I'm going to have to go brief myself on that. But this is a whole complete mess. And you know what really gets me with JP Morgan all these guys? You know, Elizabeth Warren's like, oh, crypto is so bad. It's used for money laundering and people buying heroin and all this other shit. Yeah, okay. Um, who do you think facilitates all the drug trafficking and human trafficking right now? It's these banks. It's like JP Morgan. Like, come on, get out of here. And I'm and I into it more, but I know the elites are watching and I don't want to get shut down, Jenna. But we got but we got 403 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Jenna, I'm obviously kidding about that comment. But I do want to get some thoughts here because MasterCard came out in support of uh, crypto yesterday. And here's something alarming I found in my research. MasterCard acquired a crypto analytics firm last year. But more importantly, they partnered with fintech firm Uphold and crypto exchange Gemini. Why did that catch my attention, Mario? Those are two of the only exchanges that kept XRP listed while we went through that ongoing battle with the SEC. But here's what's most important about this article. While MasterCard is filing a plethora of trademarks, Quant Network continues to come up in the conversation. MasterCard has filed a trademark application for a new interoperability solution. This news comes just days after the announcement of its involvement in Project Rosalina, which of course is working with Quant Network. So Mario, that's some extremely bullish news. And people are talking about the price chart here. Let's talk a little price chart before we get into that as well. XRP, we've often talked about Quant dipping below 100 as a buying opportunity. That's for me and Johnny. That's not financial advice or, or anything along those lines. But what I do see in the Quant price chart right now is a very strong level of support at $98. And anytime we dip below that range, Mario, we're quick to get right back above that. So how do you feel about Quant's connections with MasterCard here? as well as the uphold in Gemini news, a lot to get into. Yeah, I think you're right. That is super bullish for, for Quant. And uh, as far as price action, look, when, when we're in the bear market, which we have been, obviously, it, it's prices don't really move with news like like they do with with uh, when we're in a bull run. And anybody that experienced any kind of bull run, if, any, if we saw news like this come out, Quant's price would have skyrocketed. It would have gone crazy. So I don't think people should be expecting any kind of crazy price movements coming from any crypto based on any news um just because we're in the bear market we need that liquidity to come in it's all about liquidity and i know that johnny mentioned it last last week about how you know it's it's the more liquidity that comes into into the market that's what makes the market move and right now with retail being away from from the scene it's just not really happening but i think it's super bullish for for quant i i I need to start accumulating some more quant i was expecting where i was hoping that we would get like low price quant um but it doesn't look like that's happening. I think you're right. Uh, there's been a lot of support at those levels. And uh, if you look at that chart, I mean, just look at that. It's it's holding very strong. So 
I think that every time we get at that below that that $100 mark, even at these prices, guys, look, if we know that these technologies are here to stay and and they're going to be a prominent um, player of, of facilitating the financial system, you know, buying $100, it doesn't matter if you're buying 100, 120, if you think that it's going to go up to 1000 at some point. So yeah, DCA is the best strategy. Johnny, this was really important, and I caught this in the article. MasterCard acquired a fintech analytics firm, but look at this. They partnered with Uphole and Gemini. Why is that important? We did a little research a couple of weeks ago. We found that a founder, Greg Kidd, paid $60 million to Uphold and is on their board of advisors. I'm sure he was involved in conversations with MasterCard. Not only is he a billionaire, he's a revolutionary when it comes to this technology. So how do you feel about that? We'll circle back to Quant, but let's stay on the Uphold and Gemini news. Well, the Gemini news is a bit... Interesting to me because I know <clears throat> the Winklewasp brothers or twins created it, but it was in trouble and it faulted and failed. And I'm not so sure where it actually is right now. I, I thought they were uh, had closed the doors, but I know they left some piece of the business operational. Uphold, we know, has huge connections there, right? And they're an up and coming. By the way, you can get Uphold on Link2. I don't know if people know that. If you're an accredited investor, you can check that out. Also, I don't know if anybody realized Jenna's sporting her nice Merlin shirt. Check that out. That's awesome. Uh, but but I think, Abs, that there is definitely connections here that you're seeing happening. There are people behind the scenes that know this technology is the future, Abs. You're seeing it. We're seeing all the pieces. We're watching the sausage being made. As Italian, I love watching that. I, I make the sausage, you know, but we're seeing it be made right now, you know, and it's really, really cool to kind of see all these pieces. Now, remember, here's the thing. I was also there when they were trying to figure out what was going to be the, you know, you were in diapers apps. They were trying to figure out what was going to be the low range communication protocol. Was it going to be Bluetooth? Was it going to be, I forgot, there was like 20 different ones. And I remember when we were making that and then we were going to all these different things and what was it going to be? And turned out Bluetooth ended up being the winner because companies all decided, a bunch of them said, hey, we're just going to go and adopt this one. And that's really the key that you want to look for. You want to look to see where do the majority of companies, because what's going to happen, that's usually what drives adoption, is two, three, four big prominent companies will just agree like, okay, we're going to do this one. Right now, they're all battling. You're seeing all different choices and selections. But once they all, a couple of the big ones say, hey, we're all going to use Quant or we're all going to use Algo, or we're all going to use Ripple. That's when it's game over, and that's what you want to keep an eye out for. Jenna, and we've talked about how the IMF and the World Economic Forum are going to be the ones to ignite the crypto flame. Well, Bank of America seems to agree here. Bank of America says that the excessive focus on the SEC and their regulatory battles are overshadowing the rapid development and integration of blockchain as well as distributed ledger technology. Specifically, the bank said that it expects blockchain infrastructure and tokenization to transform financial markets over the next five to ten years and I remember just three years ago now, I mean, time flies. That's just the reality of life, right? Three to five years, it seems like a long time away. Five years until we see mass adoption of crypto, that's so bullish coming out of an American institution. What do you think, Jenna? Oh, my God. Yeah, in five years, that's that's really close. Like, I was thinking, okay, maybe like 10 years, something like that. But I also, you know, at this point, that's when I really look for them to find plans for our fiat to go away and find these other alternatives and start leading us into CBCs. And, you know, by that time, I'm sure we will have regulatory framework, but they're already going to have their chosen ones picked out. And we know they're going to be Bitcoin. They're going to be ETH, uh, Litecoin. That's, you know, good with CFTC and, you know, XRP. Hopefully, knock on wood, everything comes out really well with this, although I believe it will. And we have XLM, but there's going to be a handful and they're going to be bigger, but I think they're going to have like these selected winners, honestly. 
Mario, you're going to love this latest update. And I want to give our listeners a reminder. We got 433 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And look at this article right here. We're talking about how Bank of America said that over the next five to 10 years, they expect financial markets to transform because of blockchain technology. Well, check out this update we got for you guys. Bank of America, Ripple, and Algorand have supposedly secretly testing Ripple's DLT in their banking system. Bank of America will likely use one of Ripple's flagship products, X Current, for transferring value. Interestingly, the bank listed a job posting on their search of a Ripple product manager. This makes it very evident that they're serious about blockchain and specifically Ripple adoption. So, Mario, what do you think about this? If they were going to be testing and using Ripple's technology, there's no way to make a public announcement. So, do you believe the rumors? Yeah, that's huge. I mean, I have no doubt that those rumors could be true just because we know there's there's a lot of ties between Ripple and Bank of America. I honestly believe that the only reason why they haven't been more public about, um, you know, officially being in some kind of partnership or officially using Ripple's products is because of what's happening with the SEC. Obviously, anybody in the United States or any company in the United States is not going to want to publicly disclose that they're working with Ripple whilst this whole thing is going on or there's some kind of an uh, uncertain clarity, right? And so I'm not surprised at all. I think that that could very well be happening. I think that um, the clues are all there, just like we've been talking this whole episode. The clues have been there for a long time. There's been a lot of rumors of connections between Bank of America and Ripple. And so, but but it's it's very bullish. We know that Ripple's disrupting the market, and that's why they're being attacked. Uh, they're being uh, utilized all over the world. The United States is the only place that's kind of like this uh, this uh, gray cloud over, but. Everywhere else in the world, they continue to expand. They continue to build new corridors, new partnerships. Um, they continue to acquire companies, spreading their 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 uh, branches. So super bullish for Ripple. Johnny, and we talked about why would they be publicly promoting Ethereum all the time and not building on top of other blockchains with better technologies? The Hinman emails probably gave us our answer that they were building on technologies they thought had a free pass from the SEC. And one of these Reddit users commented on Bank of America's adoption of these assets. It said, I wonder why they're building on top of Ripple and Ethereum while ignoring the rest. The big news is that Bank of America is using Ripple and now Algorand. This really establishes more credibility for crypto startups. There was a second comment I wanted to read, Johnny. Bank of America is more interested in Algorand because they're already building on the platform. They won the hackathon and love the direction Algorand is headed, especially with their borderless economy. And I'll throw this in here. One world government, my friend. Floor is yours. Well, I'll just say this. Whenever we're working on a technology internally to do something, we don't publicly broadcast it. We don't tell people, hey, here's what we're doing. You know, it doesn't work that way because then everybody in your competitors get a uh, get a leg up or an advantage on you. So so there's no surprise here that you're not here. And everybody I know wants to hear that. We all want to hear, hey, they're using Ripple. This guy's using Ripple. No, they're not going to tell you. They're not going to tell you until it's done, until it's launched. And and they may still never tell you the technology that's being used. But, you know, when you hear when you hear it like this, you know, secretly testing, that makes sense to me that they would be secretly testing something. Now, obviously, whether the rumor is true or not, that all depends on, you know, who's doing the reporting here. But I would guess that it's no surprise. We know that Bank of America and Ripple has significant ties to each other. So I, I'm not surprised there. And just, you know, hey, this this comment got me laughing, laughing my ass off abs. My man here, Boost Carry. <laughs> His wife thinks he's saving for vacation, but he's loading up on crypto. Good man. That'll someday you'll be able to give her a really good vacation. She'll appreciate she may hate you now, but she'll appreciate you later, brother. My but goodness. nonetheless. <laughs>
five to ten years from now, that man's going to be a very, very, very. Johnny, I do want to have a conversation. You, Jenna, and Mario, continue our conversation because I'm going to pull up an article in the background right now where in November of last year, we were doing this show. There was an article we talked about where Bank of America said they came out and said their representatives after the Ripple lawsuit, they plan on leveraging their technology. That's why I think it's safe to assume that some of these leaks may have some value here. Mario, Jenna, and Johnny, please take the floor while I pull up that latest article. Yeah, and Abs, don't forget, they're not only Bank of America, so they're also, uh, I think Warren Buffett also bought Nubank in, uh, here in uh, Brazil. So now you've kind of got, and they also talked about their ties to Ripple. So, I mean, you can just kind of puzzle and piece this thing together, and you can kind of see what's happening here, right, guys? And Mario, you were down in Brazil. I mean, what was the, was there a lot of, Talk about crypto down there. What were you hearing or seeing when you were down there? Uh, not not many talks of crypto, but certainly Brazil is way more advanced when it comes to digital payments. I feel mm-hmm. uh, like everybody um, everybody is acquainted with. So in Brazil, they have a system that's kind of like Zelle in the United States, where you're able to send money between people, you know, from one bank account to the next. And so all the bank accounts there have this system built in. And the person you would least expect to be knowledge about that. They know about it. Like I had to carry no cash. Like I could, I could, I had maybe about 500 of their money for like the first few days. Once the money finished, I didn't bother getting cash because just everybody takes this form of payment. So it was really cool. And I actually have a new bank bank account in Brazil. That's the one that I was using. Mario, look at you. Hey, Abs, I got to answer this question for our, our audience because we're here for you guys. So the question is, why is quant so important if XRP is universally exchangeable? You guys always explain things. So let me try to help explain what what the difference here, guys. Think of XRP. All right, so let's imagine two people. One French, one Italian. Oh, no, let's do something. Now, they can understand each other. Let's do like an Italian and an American, so they can't understand each other, right? Now, think of they, they want to do an exchange in cash. So let's assume they've got money in their hand, okay? The money that they're handing to each other is XRP. Think of it that way. But they have to work the deal how much they're going to give each other. They got to talk to each other. They got to speak. They got to communicate. Say, hey, I'm going to give you a thousand bucks or you're going to give me this, right? Well, that's what quant does. Quant is the communication path so they can speak to each other. And then the, the exchange of the actual money that they give to each other so they can go use it is like XRP. So I'm really trying to break it down into basics. I hope that helps kind of give you an understanding of why you kind of need both. One is the money supply and the other one is the actual communication to each other so johnny you're gonna love thank you guys you guys are the best crew in the world that's why we pay you the big bucks right johnny crypto we got 456 456 live listeners joining us thank you for being here guys check out this latest update here as bank of america is reportedly waiting on the sidelines for the sec versus ripple case so they can join forces with ripple and begin leveraging their technology and listen to this this is right out of brad garlinghouse's mouth Brad Garlinghouse made it clear that they're ready to settle with the SEC as long as they can get clarity on SRP. The interviewer asked him if American companies were waiting on the sidelines to jump in once clarity happens. Brad Garlinghouse said absolutely. He specifically mentioned Bank of America and said that Bank of America is a huge partner of Ripple. He said Bank of America stands to gain really big from when the settlement happens because they're going to be a huge competitor to take advantage of Ripple's ODL market price. So Brad is very, very bullish on this adoption. Johnny. How do quotes like this slip through the cracks, Mario? I want to actually, Jenna, I'm going to everybody here. Jenna, we'll start with you, then Mario, then John. This is the first, like, I remember um, this quote. It's really exciting. It just makes you even more bullish in everything we've been following. Like, everything's playing out. But gosh, now I can't wait. I can't wait for this to be over. He said, he said, absolutely, Mario. And it's a certain, certain, just my attention here, because when you talk about Brad Garlinghouse, 
Of course, he's going to be an advocate of American institutions using Ripple. But here's what he said that stuck out to me. Brad Garlinghouse said Bank of America is a huge partner of Ripple, and they look forward to using their ODL system to beat their competitors in the marketplace. Give me a more bullish statement than that, my friend. Yeah, it's, I think it's impossible, right? It's impossible to make it any more bullish than that. But like, this is exactly what I was saying before. You know, they, they're not going to want to make it anything bigger than what it is for now while there's this unregulatory or this regulatory uncertainty. And like, guys, if we really stop to, to look into all of these different blockchains and all these different cryptos and we look at the partnerships that they're creating and we're hearing, you know, central banks and CDB, CBDCs and uh, cross-border payments and connections with banks and connections with countries, like, it's insane. Like, we're literally witnessing the change of our financial system right before our eyes. And at the same time, for, for those in America or those that pay attention to the news in America, they're trying to tell you that, as Jenna mentioned earlier, that crypto is a scam or that crypto is used for nefarious activities and that, you know, drug dealers use it. It's it's all just to keep us looking in the other direction, like Coach JV says all the time, right? We need to be paying attention. There's no way that these countries, central banks are creating partnerships with these blockchains for no reason, Right. There's, there, there is a reason. And so I think it's super exciting to be able to be here, to be able to be aware that this is happening right before our eyes and that we're able to invest in some of this stuff. I mean, I think just the fact that we're able to invest in this stuff, I think that's that's already amazing as, as that is. And, you know, we only need one project to take us home. Like we could be investing in 10. I know Johnny Crypto uses the analogy of, of the horses. You know, you only need that one horse to win to really take it home and and to change your financial life forever. So the fact that, again, I'm going to say it again, the fact that we're here, we know about it, we're aware, and we can invest, I think that's huge. Johnny, listen to this comment right here out of TJ Patterson. He said, it's a shakedown attempt, and I couldn't agree more. Let's connect these two statements here. They've already specifically said they're going to leverage Ripple's technology in the future. Well, Bank of America comes out six, eight months later and says, the next five to ten years, there is going to be a digital transformation. So I'm sure you got a lot on your mind. What stuck out to you? Oh, man, there's no question. About it. I mean, super bullish news. We've, I mean, for us, we've known this. So we've been talking about this for a while on the show. So not surprising, but bullish. Um, and so for me, again, this is why I'm in this space. This is why I don't worry. Whenever we wake up on a red day or we're in a, we're in a, you know, a, a, a bear market, frankly, I love it. And I know you're going to say, why do you love a bear market? Here's why I love a bear market. Because I know sooner or later, this bear market is going to be gone. The prices we're seeing today in the next, can you buy Amazon for $27? Can you buy Microsoft for $13? Not anymore. Can't buy them at that prices no more. In 1997, when Abs was walking around in the diaper and a pacifier, I could have been buying I, alive. I could have been, yeah, I could have been shit. I could have been buying a shit ton of Amazon, right? But instead, I didn't. I missed the boat. And so the reality is You know what, Johnny? We're putting a pause in that discussion because you know what? We just got a message from the universe that we got to talk a little ADA and Charles Hoskinson here. Oh, One of our listeners go. commented and said, Johnny's holding a big old bag of ADA, the magic beans that he's always talking about. But guys, Johnny Crypto, <laughs> we know you have a close friend with with Charles Hoskinson. And right now he's out looking for aliens. So please oh let me know if he finds any aliens in the woods. But while we're on the topic, how do you feel about Cardano being labeled a security? Do you think that's going to affect the project long term on a more serious note? First of all, on a serious note, let's just clear the record because you say shit that people are going to believe it. I don't know Charles Hawkinson. I've never spoken to him. He's not a friend. He's not a buddy at all. The only reason why I originally liked 
The only reason why I originally liked Cardano is because ETH had a lot of problems. We know that there's high cost, slow fish, you know, slow use, scalability issues. Charles left Cardano, uh, left um, ETH and went to Cardano to start a competitive product that's better, right? And there's nobody better to fix a problem than the guy who created the problem in the first place. And so for that reason, I always liked Cardano from that perspective is he kind of knew where the skeletons were in the in the closet, so to speak, for that technology and how to make the next version better, right? And I still believe that to this day. I still don't think anything has changed there from that perspective. Whether you love or hate Charles, that's a whole different story. Guys, I don't get into that. I don't look, I know everyone looks, oh, the guy just, I don't care. I'm talking, I don't marry my stuff. I don't marry the owners. I just look at the technology and can it solve a real world problem? And if it can, I'm going to put, I'm going to put, I'm going to put that horse in my stable right now. I don't care, you know, who's, who's on top of the horse. Uh, so whether you love him or hate him, to me, abs, the reality is when you look at GitHub, the past two years, Cardano technology was one of the highest chosen by developers, which tells you they were building platforms around it. And as a leading indicator, I looked at that and said, hey, you know what? This is worthy of me putting some money into it and see where it goes. And I haven't changed my mind. I'm still there. I'm still riding that horse. We'll see how far it goes. If it dies, it's okay. I got 40 other horses in the shed back there. So I ain't that worried about it, Abs, to be honest with you. Jenna, I'm just going to give you the open floor. How do you feel about Cardano <laughs> overall? Because we talked about all of these tokens being registered at securities, Algorand, Cardano, Solana, many legit projects. But what we're seeing is that they're all coming together now. They're all uniting in order to battle against the SEC. It's a little bit of good news. What, what's on your mind? Yeah, I sold all mine and it pumped um, to like $2, something like that. I'm like, oh, this is a great pump. And I just got out of it then. Um but now I think I would like to start those bags over again. However, I don't think, and I don't want to talk much about price or stuff like that, but to me, you know, obviously cents won't matter in the long run. Um, but I don't think things have quite bottomed out yet. And I've learned my lesson with XRP going through a lawsuit, how patient you need to be and how, you know, you might not reach those all time highs that maybe you did before. So I think those are certain things to keep in mind. I definitely think people need to leave Charlie alone, right? I would love to be in the woods hunting aliens with this mofo. It sounds like a great time, guys. Just get past it. We'll be fine. But I think Cardano is going to be just fine. Regardless. I I do agree Cardano would be just fine, but I got to disagree. The last thing I would want to do is be in the woods looking for aliens right now. But we got 457 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. There's one last article. I want IMF connections here, Johnny. So tell me your thoughts on this right here. The IMF's leader has singled out Ripple in the past, calling it a, distribu a distributor, for instance, above all other digital assets which shows that she's very uh, informed about as well as its technology and its currency. So, so what if it's that the IMF, IMF advantage of Ripple's already developed networks and technology? Of course it would, Johnny. And that's the last connection I'd like to make here. The IMF has acknowledged Ripple's technology in the past. With all this CBDC news, I think it's safe to assume they're going to be involved in the future. So just any closing comments so I can clip this segment in the timestamp. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, from <laughs> I think from the perspective of, you know, I don't like when they're actually – talking about technologies because as i said earlier in the show they typically don't talk about what they're using i would prefer they don't talk about it and keep it secret because then reveal it on you when they're coming but i do think in this particular one they you see ripple being used all the time as the example of being the the cross-border payment type system the distributed ledger and its odl and its capability and i think because of that it definitely is going to have a place to play 
in this new system that's coming at how much of a pace place to play how much it gets infiltrated into the system i think is still what's to be determined none of us know the answer if anybody tells you they know you better run the other way because they're unless of course they're in a three-letter agency then they probably do know like jenna's friend but then you know we have to figure that out but right now i do believe abs that there's no question that i think these bigger agencies and companies are looking at ripple's technology and don't be surprised if the SEC is off the back. We start hearing more and more news about that. Thank you, guys. And we're going to end this show with a very interesting article. First of all, check out the XRP price chart sitting at a key level of resistance. But if we break out, 68 cents is the level to watch for. But this is the video I wanted to play for everyone. We've talked about a black swan. and We only got a couple of minutes left. So I'm just going to play this clip. Do you have any concerns about a large nation state that has um, interest in just actively destroying Bitcoin to make their own, you know, super rigs and uh, design chips and just throw hundreds of millions or billions of dollars to intentionally disrupt the blockchain. Yeah, I, I don't worry about that at all. Um, this cannot be done with Bitcoin anymore. This is something that can only be done with nascent altcoins. Uh, Bitcoin has achieved a, a level of computing that uh, no single nation state can, uh, can overthrow it through computation alone. Uh, the effort to do so would require a massive covert operation of chip fabrication, uh, then the coordinated assault that would give them dominance over the next block for 10 minutes until we kick those bastards off the network, uh, rework the protocol around them, they would be revealed, they would have lost a billion dollars doing this, and all they got to do was one double spend. <laughs> Now, here's the thing. Long before we get to that point, they figure out that if they just let this stuff run, they can actually get some Bitcoin. So I love, I love this guy. I loved his response. Love Johnny, we only got a couple minutes left. I want to get comments from Mario and Jenna as well. Any quick thoughts here? Uh, you know, he's fantastic. You know, I talked to him. I'm going to kick it over to Mario and let him comment. But I agree with him. He, he just he just called out exactly what it would take and how you'd get ripped apart if you tried. God bless that. I freaking love that guy. Yeah, he was spot on, right? I think uh, he, he nailed it. Like uh, the way that he said it and, and the humor he put to it was, was fantastic. I'll let Jenna give some thoughts too. Well, Jenna, let me give my two cents really quick because I think what we're seeing is something very realistic. If they're going to roll out CBDCs, they have to convince people to move away from decentralized currencies. And I think one of the easiest ways to do that would be to collapse Bitcoin. Now, the debate is, can they collapse Bitcoin? That's what he was just talking about right there. So I just want to get some closing remarks from you. Do you think it's going to take a catalyst like that to see CBDC adoption? I don't know. Let me like pull out my crystal ball and just like see. Guys, I think though what's going to happen is there's going to be some kind of crazy cyber attack. I think the banks will shut down. There's that whole X-File episode where, you know, it all happens on a Friday and all oh. that good stuff. So I think it'll be something crazy like that. That's my tinfoil hat. But why not? I really want a donut. Absolutely, guys. And I do apologize in the live oh. chat. They're giving me a hard time about my audio yeah, again. So you know what? I will continue to improve. And as other people stay muted when I talk, I won't get that echo. I'm Johnny Crypto. But we got 465 oh, listeners. I've muted all the show. Oh, uh, yeah, let's Are you muted right now, my friend? Let's go start a GoFundMe for Abs's microphone. We need to get a microphone on the internet. Please. Or actually, I just need a soundboard, guys. It's even cheaper than a microphone. So right, even let's better. GoFundMe for Abs's soundboard, guys. Start but we love you up. guys. There's 467 live listeners in this live chat. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Somebody saying fight, fight, fight. It's all love between me and Johnny. But, but tomorrow, we got eight episodes of Snare. 
as Marco is going to be joining the show. And I know that when we play that music, we get a horrible echo. So I'm going to shut up here. I love you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining me.